This is my Bible. It is the Word of God, and it is the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am, seated right now in the heavenly realms, in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine, and I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert, my spirit is receptive, as I'm taught the Word of God, my life is changed for the better, and I will never be the same again. Amen. Give five people a high five, and then you may be seated this morning. <clears throat> so how is the best, the most wonderful, and the most blessed congregation in America? Yes. Amen. As we begin this morning, let me say that I wish you love, I wish you joy. I wish you every happiness. I wish you physical health and length of life. I wish that your life would be as full and as blessed and as fulfilling as ours has been. And you are blessed, you know, because you're hearing the word of God. You understand the power is not in Gene or Sue. The power is in the word of God. Amen. And we try and tell these young ministers, but they don't want to listen, that the power is in the word. And if you would just stand and fearlessly teach and preach the Word of God, then you could have fruit like this too. But everybody's looking for a shortcut. But one of my daddies in the faith, John Osteen, used to say, we don't have any shortcuts to share with you because there are no shortcuts. Amen? Amen. Now, the great apostle of faith and healing, Smith Wigglesworth, that, that name may be foreign to you, but he was the greatest healing evangelist of the 19th century, used to say that Mark 4.28 was his favorite verse in the Bible. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. In other words, step by step, line upon line, precept upon precept, faith should be growing. And that's kind of the concept before we did the week of increase that we got hung up on on Wednesday nights how to grow your own faith. We're teaching on the miracle of seed faith giving and we're showing you how you can use this principle in your life to step up to the next financial level. And I've been giving you three principles from Oral Roberts' book, The Miracle of Seed Faith Giving. Number one, God is the source of your supply. This is a basic fundamental concept and people are missing it big time. They're looking to the government as their source now, not just on money, but on health care. You know, if you think you ought to trust your health and your body to the government, you need to talk to a vet. You need to talk to anybody who has been to a veterans administration hospital. And they will give you the scoop on whether or not anything government related is quality health care. I mean, and, and they're insane. The exact same week that the CDC basically comes out and says everything they've been saying for two and a half years is nonsense, 
There's no difference between the vaccinated and the unvaccinated with regard to this virus. The same government won't let the best tennis star in the world come and play in the United States of America because he hasn't had the vaccination. Tell your neighbor, they're insane. They're insane. Tell the neighbor on the other side, either that or they're evil. Amen. It's crazy. And you understand, I hope you understand the nature of evil. It's like the slutty girl in high school. She, want, she doesn't target the immoral guys. She targets the innocent guys. Because they, they want, it's the nature of evil. If they're messed up, they want you messed up. And I think that's what's going on with this. In other words, they want you to have myocarditis and they want you to have all this. Our, our answer has to be, we're looking to God as our source. Amen. Now, sure, we take care of ourselves. Just this morning, I read two different articles on how to take care of myself. You know, we're smart people. We go to the dentist, amen. That's a good idea. Uh, so we take care of ourselves. We're not against medicine. We're not against doctors. One of our partners from another city, <clears throat> uh, we found out, made some snarky comments to a doctor, and the doctor apparently did what he did, angry, and he's messed up now. And I, I said, well, he, we, we have this wonderful man in the church, and he's got a wonderful surgeon that he has dealt with. This guy needs to go see that, that surgeon, get this thing taken care of. We're not against doctors. We're not against health care, but we are against stupidity. Amen. And we are against bankers or software people or whoever controlling the population through us. If they, if they want to control the population through their family, that's their business, but not through us. Amen. Amen. I mean, worldwide, since they introduced these experimental drugs, fertility worldwide is down 22%. 22%. 22%. But we're supposed to believe that's just chance, right? We're supposed to believe that's just coincidence. No, it's not coincidence. These are evil people. These are the end times, and this is all headed somewhere. But they can do all of what they're doing without me. Amen. Say it out loud, God is my source. God is my source. Number two, God wants to be first in your life and in your giving. Whatever you give, give it as a seed faith. So God wants to be first. You know, if you were sick or messed up, you'd want to be first on God's list, right? You don't want to call God and the operator say, who dat? You want to be first on God's list, right? Well, God wants to be first on our list. Number three, when you give, expect a miracle. So don't just give. Don't give what they call religiously. When you give, expect a miracle. Expect God to use it to further his gospel and also to multiply back into your life in the form of meeting your needs and empowering you to reach your faith goals. Now let's go to the miracle of the day, Jesus' first miracle, which was turning water into wine at the wedding in Cana. John 2, on the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. Verse three, when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. 
His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he, said to the, then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. This, the first of his miraculous signs, Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory, and his disciples put their faith in him. So, is it any coincidence that the latest heresy is that it doesn't matter what you do? Talk to me, is it any coincidence that the most recent heresy is it doesn't matter what you do? This is utter nonsense. You cannot name any area of life where this is true. And the same genius architect designed all of it. What do you get if you do nothing in your garden? What, if you're a farmer and you do nothing, what do you get? If you're a rancher and you do nothing, what do you get? No. How, how about this? How about child rearing? If, if your children act like little Apache Indians and you do nothing, what do you get? You, do you get blessing or do you get trouble? trouble. You get trouble. This is, is, this is ridiculous. If you save money, are you going to get a better result than if you don't save money? Talk to me. If you invest money, are you going to get a better result than if you don't invest money? If you're, if you're sweet to your wife, are you going to get a better result than if you're not sweet to your wife? I mean, you cannot name any area of life where this nonsense is true. So why would they think it's true with God? Well, because they're woke, they're progressive, they're liberals, and they're commies. And this is their gospel. It is not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not the gospel of the Apostle Paul. It is the gospel of Karl Marx. And that is that everybody gets the same results. This is nonsense. Amen. Amen. It's just absolute nonsense. All right. So, number one, Jesus is concerned about your every need. Say it out loud. Jesus, Jesus. is concerned about my every need. I mean, think about it. Look at verse 2. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Now, you face all kinds of needs, including food, clothing, shelter, your car. All this takes money. I don't know about you, but I'm shocked at what automobile insurance costs. I mean, all of this costs money. And the Lord knows it all costs money. That's why he actually taught his disciples to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Yesterday's bread won't cut it. Right? And last week's, last week's paycheck won't cut it. Am I right? So the Lord knows this, and he wants to be the Lord of your entire life, not just your soul. Number two, if you're taking notes, the key to receiving a miracle is obedience. 
This is all through the Bible. Uh, it's not on every page of the Bible, but when I read the Bible, I almost think it's on every page. The key is obedience. And people just amaze the heck out of me because, you know, I've been doing this now. I mean, I know it's hard to believe, but I've been doing this now 49 years and two months. And, you know, 49 years and two months, you know, the, the beef is the same all along. You know, uh, I don't believe that. I don't want to do that. I, I don't want to hear that. Same, same thing all the way, 49 years, two months. I just never had any trouble with it because some way, somehow, I had a revelation early that he loved me, that he was good, and that he was for me. So if he loves me, if he's for me, if he wants to bless my life, anything he tells me to do must be for my good and not for his good. How could any moral co commandment or rule or regulation be for his good? Because he's not sinning anyway. So when he tells me things like, thou shalt not commit adultery, that's not for his good. What difference does it make to God up there in heaven on the planet called heaven, sitting on his throne in glory, who is doing what with whom? Doesn't make any difference to him at all. But we know, we know, right? We have eyeballs, we have a brain that when people do this stuff, they wreck their own lives. Do you understand? Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife. Thou, all of those thou shalt nots, none of that was for his good. That was for our good. Say, lift both hands. Say, thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father you, God. Love me, you love me and all you want for me it is, is what's best for me. Amen. Amen. You know, the world wants us to get all worked up about monkeypox. Look, you know, if you, if you don't have an alternate lifestyle, it doesn't even affect you. You know, I mean, I'm not going to get worked up about something that doesn't affect me. Amen. Amen. I mean, here in Texas, you know, we've got uh, copperheads. we got rattlesnakes in unpopulated areas, but we don't have, like, black mambas. You know, in Africa, we were asking, you know, what's the difference between this kind of snake and that kind of snake? And, and I remember them telling us, well, this, uh, this kind's a one-step snake and that kind's a two-step snake. What do you mean by one step and two steps? Well, if you get bit by this kind, you take one step, you're dead. If you get bit by that kind, you, get, you take two steps and you're dead. Do you understand? Amen. Yeah. So, but, but we're, not, we're not in Africa. We don't have black mamas. We don't have all this, so we don't have to think about that. Amen. You understand? So if I'm not doing this or that, then I don't have to think about monkeypox. Do you understand? Doesn't have a thing in the world to do with me. Amen. See, I want you to get you all worked up about stuff that doesn't even have anything to do with you. Amen. Amen. Change your life over nothing. Get, get another shot over something that doesn't even have anything to do with you. God knows that we have these needs. He knows we need gas, and he, he knows you don't have to tell the Lord. You don't have to read the newspaper to the Lord. You, you understand, right? He knows what gas costs. It's not a shock. Father God, you know, it's twice what it was a year ago. No point telling. You, you don't have to read the newspaper to the Lord. The Lord knows what's going on, and he loves us, and he's for us, and he wants to meet our needs. I mean, think about it. These, these were not... This was not a rich young couple. If they were a rich young couple, they wouldn't have run out of wine. 
You can talk to me. I said, I said they, they, must have, they were not a rich young couple. They, they must have kind of like been average folk. And how embarrassing, how embarrassing, how embarrassing that they ran out. The Lord, I mean, it was through his mother, but, but the Lord was sensitive to their embarrassment. How kind, how gracious, how loving is our father, and he has been completely misrepresented. Amen. Amen. So the key to receiving a miracle is obedience. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. How could you go wrong doing whatever the Lord tells you to do? Talk to me. How could you go wrong doing whatever the Lord tells you to do? And this generation is going to be judged very harshly because they did everything Fauci and Burke said do. Even if it didn't make sense. Wear one mask. Wear two masks. I mean, it didn't make any sense to me. How can you buy a mask that was made in communist China that is not a medical mask and no telling what kind of factory it was made in, no telling what kind of box it was shipped in, and you're going to put that on your face and it's going to help you. And then he says, wear two masks. And because I read, I knew instantly that the virus was a lot smaller than the natural gaps in these masks. But people comply. See, they'll, they'll do everything the government says, but they won't do one thing God says. They'll do everything that these quacks say, but they won't do anything that God says. And the quacks never said, test me in this. In other words, in fact, they ran a campaign to not allow critical thinking. They persecuted MDs. How, could, how can it be scientific to persecute critical thinking? I thought, you know, I grew up in the 60s and the whole process of science was that you have a theory and you go to the laboratory and you run a bunch of tests to see if your theory is correct. So how can it be scientific to not run tests? And then the guy says, I am science. That'd be like me saying I'm God. It's crazy. It's insane. But people just complied. And now, two and a half years later, the CDC comes out and says, well, there's no difference between the vaxxed and the unvaxxed. I mean, basically, they admitted that it was all nonsense for two and a half years. Look, this is not going to change. It has not changed in my lifetime. It's not going to change in my lifetime. We're not going to wake up tomorrow and see where God edited all of our Bibles and said, oops, my bad. So you can count on this. You can count, say it out loud, the word of God is true and everything else is a lie. So the key to receiving a miracle is obedience. Everyone wants a miracle, but not everyone wants to obey the written word of God. Everyone wants a miracle, but not everyone wants to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Everyone wants what you got, but not everyone wants to do what you did to get what you got. That's the bottom line. Everybody wants what you got, but not everybody wants to do what you did to get what you got. 
And the key to receiving a miracle is obedience. The key to getting a miracle is taking action on what God has said to do. And it says, she said, do whatever he tells you to do. And in the very, it's in verse, verse 8, it says they did so. They what? They did so. They what? They did what? They did so. Number three, God will never diminish your life. He will only add to or multiply your life. It's embarrassing to me that I even have to talk like this. But I have to in this generation. He's wonderful. He will never diminish your life. He will never subtract from your life. He will only add to your life or multiply your life. Verse 6, nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to, 20 to 30 gallons. Now, I looked this up on the internet. We're talking about 75 to 115 liters. You know, wine is sold uh, by the liter. Now, I'm not talking about Thunderbird or whatever they sell by the gallon. I mean, I'm talking about, because, because the master of the banquet said it, they saved the best for last, Right? So I don't think the Lord turned water into Thunderbird. At a moderate price of $100 per 750 milliliter bottle, we're talking about ten dollars to $15,000, ten dollars to $15,000, ten dollars to $15,000. Now, if you don't think this miracle is about money, then make sure you give no less than $15,000 in the offering at the end of the service so we will know you're not a hypocritical punk. It was about money. Because if that, if that nice young couple had had what? Money. They could have had the wine enough that it would not have run out. They didn't have enough wine because they didn't have enough money. I think it's wonderful. I do. I think he's wonderful. I do. I think he's wonderful. That he cared about this nice couple being embarrassed. I think it's marvelous. Hallelujah. Number four, it takes faith and guts to get anywhere with God. Number, number four, it takes faith and guts to get anywhere with God. Verses seven, eight, Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. Now, we can't relate to this. We can't relate to this. You know, I've got a bunch of employees. I stopped asking how many. I don't want, even want to know how many because then I get to thinking about what that costs. But, you know, what's the worst thing we could do to an employee in 2022? Call them in, you know, tell them how we're not happy with their performance. But these were servants 2,000 years ago. So what, would, what could they do to servants 2,000 years ago? See, we don't know. I mean, could they have whipped them? And Jesus says to fill up these jugs with water and draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. So it took some guts for them to follow instructions. Can you see that? It took some guts. Because what would have been the, I don't think they would have gotten a little tongue lashing if they had taken the master of the banquet water. I think the penalty would have been more than a tongue lashing. So it took some guts. 
And, and people, see, this, this modern heresy that it doesn't matter what you do is really the perfect heresy for this wicked and lazy generation. And I would say not only is it going to take some action on your part, it's going to take some guts. You know, it's that message Sue did that, that I redid and Austin redid, crazy faith. You just got to be crazy about it. Believe God. I don't see, you know, people think there's risk to believing God. I don't think there's any risk to believing God. I don't see the risk in believing God. I think the risk is in believing man. I don't see any risk in believing God. The risk is in believing man. But it took, some, it took some faith and it took some guts because the word says in verse 8, they did so. He told them to fill the jars with water. The minds of the host had been on lack. They were fixing to be embarrassed. Jesus' mind was on plenty. See, when your mind is on lack, Jesus' mind is on plenty. The minds of the host had been horrified at the coming embarrassment. Jesus' mind was on the miracle on the way. God, we dealt with this in the week of increase. Isaiah 55, as my thoughts are higher than your thoughts and my ways are higher than your ways, God's ways of doing things are not our ways. See, their mind had been on lack. Jesus' mind was on plenty. Their mind was on the coming embarrassment. Jesus' mind was on the coming miracle. Their minds had been on the limitations they faced. Jesus' mind was on the limitless resources of Father God. Jesus knew that there was plenty. See, there, there was scarcity and there was lack, but Jesus didn't believe that. Jesus knew that there was plenty, that uh, all that was needed was a little anointing. You just need a little anointing on what you got going. That's all. That's all it takes, just a little anointing on what you got going. Amen. All these servants had to do was to obey the instructions of the Lord Jesus Christ. All these servants had to do was take action. Say it out loud. Take action. All they had to do was take action on the instructions of the Lord Jesus Christ. And remember what we said last Sunday, how Pastor Sue is constantly telling me, when you give a thing to God, it cannot remain small. So if it's too small, give it to God. If what you got is too small, give it to God. If it's not enough, give it to God. And we've been crazy about it. Look, tell your neighbor, they didn't just get crazy this year. You understand when you build a great big building like this, what do you also have to have in a great big building like this? Talk to me. When you build a great big building like this, what do you also have to have in a great big building like this? Furniture. And listen, you know, you, you, you take things for granted uh, but you have no idea how much money it took to put a phone system in here. And then, because it wasn't like I-30, we wanted a playground for little kids, and then we wanted a playground for big kids, and then as, uh, initially, we put a canopy over the playground for the little kids, because, you know, the little kids just don't need that much sun and that much heat. And so, what was our solution? We didn't just get crazy this year. We've been crazy the whole time. Tell your neighbor, he's been crazy the whole time. So, so you know what our solution was? All that furniture up there at I-30, what do you think we did? You think we held a garage sale? The telephone system up at I-30, you think we held a garage sale? You think we sold the playground that was up there at I-30? No. 
No, we gave it away. We gave away the furniture. We gave away the telephone system. We gave away the playground. Why would we do that? Well, because we were believing God for brand new. I said we were believing God for brand new. Amen. Amen. So if what you have is not enough, why would you hang on to it? If it ain't enough, it ain't enough. If it's too small, give it to God. But if it's not enough, and if it's not enough, give it to God. Because Jesus said, Matthew 17, 20, I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. If you have faith as a seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Say it out loud. If I have faith as a seed, Nothing will be impossible for me. If I have faith as a seed, if I have faith as a seed. And this all happened spontaneously. It was all by the Holy Spirit of God. Man, I love him. He leads me into the green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. It was in the middle of a sermon. The crazy preacher up there at I-30 in the middle of a sermon. I mean, that guy's crazy. He's always been crazy. I mean, it borders on being nuts. In the middle of a sermon, he blurted out, that when we move into the new building down at 287 and Eden Road, we'll have more cash on hand than the day we started. And that was nuts because doing all the math and doing the math on the the average challenge offerings, not doing the second floor finish out, not doing the third floor finish out, not doing the playgrounds, not doing the ball fields, not doing the uh, northernmost parking lot, we were a half a million dollars short. And that crazy preacher blurted out in the middle of a sermon, and you understand, if it's in the middle of a sermon, it's out there forever. If I say it before the sermon or after the sermon, it gets memory hold. But if it's in a sermon, it's, it's, it's out there. And I said, not only will we build it all, but I, I said, not only will we build it with all those alternatives, but the day we move in, we'll have more cash on hand than the day we started. Amen. And then two or three or four weeks later, in the middle of a sermon, the same crazy preacher, why they let that guy even open his mouth? I have no idea. The same cra crazy preacher said, not only that, we won't move one stick of furniture and we'll have all brand new furniture the day we move in. And the only thing we moved, we moved a couple of nostalgic pieces. That's it. And it came to pass. 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 Same thing two and a half years ago in the middle of the Holy Week revival. Same crazy preacher said that we would not lose one person to this virus. And it came to pass. And it came to pass. And it came to pass. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, now, we get judged by the world. They say we're crazy. Well, at least I know I'm a guy. Amen. They say we're crazy. Now, we're the most normal people in town. Can you see that? Because we believe God. We believe the Bible. 
We got turned down on a loan on Derek Christina's house and the bank, the bank, the bank told us it's because you believe you're, you're a preacher and you believe the Bible. They told us. Don't bother us. Doesn't bother us. We just go, go down the road, find another bank. Doesn't bother us. See, when you get persecuted for stealing the other man's wife, that's bad. But when you get persecuted for believing the Bible, that's good. Amen. 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 We'll take that all day long because there are rewards for that. Can you see that? And we get blessed. So if you want a miracle, you have to do what these servants did. You've got to follow instructions. You've got to obey. You've got to take action. Amen? If you have faith as a seed or if you're believing becomes seed faith, no matter how small it seems to be, it will meet needs and problems that appear as impossible as mountains before you. This is because each act of faith is a seed planted and will be multiplied many times over. Say it out loud. Each act of faith is a seed planted and will be multiplied many times over. So if it's too small, give it to God. If it's not enough, give it to God. Whatever we give, when we give something to God, it cannot remain small. There's no shortage of God's resources to supply all of your needs, none. By their obedience, these servants opened themselves up to God. They had obeyed Jesus. They were now going to have the privilege of seeing his very first miracle. What would that be like? What would that be like? To not only see the first miracle of the Lord Jesus Christ, but to be allowed the privilege to participate in the first miracle of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, there are no shortages in the earth. There's no shortage of money. There's no shortage of oil. There's no shortage of fresh water. There's no shortages in the earth. The only, the only shortages are there's a shortage of faith and there's a shortage of truth and there's a shortage of common sense. But there's no shortages in the earth. If they had not obeyed, they would have missed seeing Jesus' first miracle. Aren't you tired of missing God's best? I said, aren't you tired of missing God's best? Now listen, I'm going to let my hair down. I, I have very few minutes, but I'm just going to tell you the absolute truth about it. This is on my mind every week. Don't think it's not. Don't think it's not. It's on my mind every week because we know wonderful people from the past, and they're good people. They're good people. And they have preached the word of God, and they have served God as long as we have. They're good people, but they don't have anything. This is on my mind every week. And somebody might say, well, pastor, that's not fair. You better believe it's not fair. Good people, good people. And they don't have anything. Good people. It goes back to the question, the last Kenneth Hagin meeting I went to, I didn't want to go because his meetings were as good as the core of the ministers who went. And I knew that certain ministers were not going to that meeting and I didn't want to go because A minister is only as good as the people pull the word of God out of him. 
And it was at Wally and Marilyn Hickey's church, and Sue said, you, you need to go. Austin's never seen a church in a mall. Wally had bought a mall and put a church in a mall, and so we went. And sure enough, sure enough, those grade-A word guys, pastors, were not there, and it was uh, as lively as Julius Caesar. And so we go to dinner after the first night, and Austin said, What's the difference, Dad? What's the difference? He said, I look around, and he said, the word just hasn't worked for these people because he was looking at the audience that night, the ministers there that night, the, the Rama employees there that night. In other words, not everybody was at every meeting. And I know exactly what the difference is, but people would misinterpret what I'm about to say. The difference is James 1.22. But be ye doers of the word of God and not hearers only. And I wouldn't say it was James 1.22. What I would say is it's Mark 11.22. And Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God. But now, everybody would complain and say, well, they had faith. Yeah. Well, did they? How, does, how is faith measured? If you go to Hebrews chapter 11, the faith chapter what is Hebrews 11? Moses did this. Abraham did that. Noah did this. It's a record of what they did. Talk to me. It's a record of what they did. Faith is measured by what you do. See, and people would say, well, I believe just as much as so-and-so. I, I have just, yeah. Well, even the author of the book of James, Jesus' half-brother said, you you tell me how much faith you have and I'll show you my faith by what I do. So back at the hotel when we started, we met in one-third of a bay of a ballroom. People might have had to have a little faith in me that maybe, 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 maybe I knew what I was talking about. But you don't take any faith today. Amen. Look at all this. And there's no debt on it. So I don't have to convince anybody I know what I'm talking about. Plus, listen, you don't know the quality of a minister by looking at their ministry or their clothes or what they have. You know the quality of a minister by looking at their children. Amen. We're going to deal with that in the Holy Week Revival 2023 if we're still here. So faith is taking action on the word of God. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. See, they, had the, they got the miracle. They got to witness the miracle. They got to participate in the very first miracle of the Lord Jesus Christ because they did what he said. They did what he said. And Kenneth Hagin, I'm talking about the one that went to be with the Lord in 2003, used to say that God's people are forever trying to use the laying on of hands and fasting and anointing with oil to make up for not being doers of the word of God. And what I've discovered in my life is if I'll be a doer of the word of God, I don't need the rest. Amen. The Lord asked me himself, a few years ago, he said, he said, when have you ever asked anybody to pray for you? I said, never. Never. 
The only time anybody ever laid hands on me was Lester Summerall, and it was because he wanted to. I didn't ask for it. I've never, had, I've never been anointed with oil, not one time. See, that's what we're dealing with on Wednesday nights before we got to the week of increase. You need to learn how to grow your own faith. Don't be dependent on the faith of other people. You have to learn how to grow your own faith. And the best way to do that is by doing what these servants did. And they did what they were told. Aren't you tired of missing God's best? I said, aren't you tired of missing God's best? Aren't you tired of vacationing at La Quinta? Aren't you, aren't, you, aren't you tired of carrying jumper cables in your trunk? I, I got to a point, man, I'm telling you, we, we were driving an old used Eldorado. We took the kids to lunch in Dallas at a place we used to go to where Sue could buy some uh, groceries, and we took them to a park to play a few minutes. We're coming back, and, and that old used car just cut out. It just cut out. It just cut out. And I saw down the ramp there was a gas station, and I told Sue, I said, here, you get in the driver's side, and I'll push it. And I'm pushing it. You can picture it, can't you? You can picture Pastor Gene pushing a car down the service road on I-30. But I made up my mind. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure this thing out, and I'm not doing this. Amen. 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 See? And I, I haven't pushed a car since. I'm not going to. Amen. I go out in the garage and the first one doesn't start, doesn't bother me, I go get the keys to the second one. Second one doesn't start, doesn't bother me, I go get the keys to the third one. Third one doesn't start, I go get the keys to the fourth one. One of them's gonna start. But because they're all so new, they all start. There are no shortages in the earth. That's a lie of man. Notice also that when they obeyed Jesus, when they did something first, they set in motion the power that transformed their situation from a situation of lack to plenty. Now listen to the words. Notice that when they obeyed Jesus, when they did something first, they set in motion the power that transformed their situation from a situation of lack to a situation of plenty. Number five, if you'll have the faith and the guts to do what Jesus tells you to do, your ending will be greater than the beginning. I look around the room and I see quite a number of people. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I have in the past. But, I mean, I look around the room and I see people and your tithes are more now than your income was the day I met you. See, if you'll have the faith and guts to do what Jesus tells you to do, your ending will be greater than your beginning. Then he told them, now draw out some and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. Say it out loud. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from. Though the servants who had drawn the water knew, then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink, but you have saved the best till now. So stop doubting the power of your own faith in God. Stop trying to get more faith. Just release the faith you have. Take action on the faith you have. And how do you release your faith in God? By doing what he says to do in his word and by doing what he says to do by the leading of the Holy Spirit of God. Do, how do you release your faith? By doing what he says to do, first of all, in his written word, and then by doing what he says to do by the leading of the Holy Spirit. Number six, if you'll be honest when you read the Bible, you'll see that Jesus reveals his glory in your needs being met 
and your desires coming to pass, not in your poverty and lack. You listen to a lot of these modern preachers, they would have you believe that the glory of God is revealed in the lack and poverty and sickness of his people. This is nonsense. Verse 11, this the first of his miraculous signs Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him. He thus revealed his glory. He thus revealed his glory. He thus revealed his glory. How? By meeting a need, by performing a miracle, by, by turning lack into plenty. How did Jesus reveal his glory? He, his glory was revealed not by their lack and failure. No, a thousand times no. His glory was revealed by the miracle of plenty and the miracle of more than enough. Last point number seven, more people will believe in your God if your needs are met than if you keep struggling along in poverty and lack. Amen. More people will believe in your God if your needs are met than if you keep struggling along in poverty and lack. This, the first of his miraculous signs, Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory, and his disciples put their faith in him. They were transformed. Their faith was now focused. Now they saw not the problem. Now they saw not the shortage, but they saw the provision of God. How your life will change when you begin to see the provision of God instead of the shortage. Don't even think about it. Don't even think about it. Get your eyes off the need and get your eyes on the supply. Jesus is his name and the word of God is his how-to manual. Hallelujah. Say it out loud. God is not glorified through lack and poverty. God is glorified by supply and plenty. God is not glorified through sickness. God is glorified through health and healing. Amen. Now let's uh, give an opportunity for people to make their decisions and commitments for the Lord. You might be here this morning or watching online and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord and the Savior of your life personally and individually. Jesus said in John's Gospel, chapter 3, you must be born again. He didn't say it was a good idea. He didn't say it was highly recommended. He didn't say it was for the super spiritual. He said you must be born again. Over there in Revelation 3, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and fellowship with him and he with me. So it's up to us because the work's been done. The work of Calvary's cross has been done. Father God has raised Jesus from the dead. He has raised him to sit at his right hand. The work is done. So all that is left is for you and for me to take action on the work that Jesus has done and make him the Lord and the Savior of our lives individually and personally. How many this morning have never done that, but you would like to, and you would say, Pastor, I want to be saved. I want to be born again. I want to make Jesus Christ the Lord and the Savior of my life. If that's you this morning, wherever you are, lift a hand up. Lift it up high enough to where I can see it. We're going to pray. You may be here this morning and you're backslidden. You're not living for the Lord like you once did. Well, the word says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So maybe in the course of time, the passing of time, you've gotten reconnected to your old former friends. You've gotten reconnected to the drinking buddies or the drug dealer or whoever, and you're not living for the Lord like you used to. You're not living for the Lord like you promised him you would. Well, the word of God says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How many this morning would say, Pastor, that's me. I'm away from God. I'm backslidden. I'm not living for the Lord like I know I should, but Pastor, 
Pray for me. I want to live for God from this day to my last day. I want to renew my commitment to him and live for him. If that's you this morning, wherever you are, lift it up. Lift the hand up high enough to where I can see it. We're going to pray. Father God's going to hear us. Thank you. For the sake of those watching online, let's pray the prayer. And that way, if you're watching online, you can join us in this prayer. And then contact us at fccarlington.com and we'll send you a book, God's Very Own Child. Everybody in the room, let's pray the prayer. Father God, I give you my life. Time's gone by. I've gone my own way. I've done my own thing and I've lived for self. But today I turn and I give you my life. I ask in Jesus' name that you would forgive me of my sins. Wash me, cleanse me, purify my life, and make me new in Christ. And I thank you, Father God, for not rejecting me, but for receiving me unto yourself and into your family. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.